you will have to do some form of sell selling and marketing as as an organization um, so identifying what your proposition is and then identifying the way that you are most comfortable with putting that proposition to a client is really important to me so i don't necessarily see it as selling i see it as an information exchange thank you for joining me today this is joseph greck coach trainer and founder of become coaching and training and today i'm your host on this podcast Today, my guest is Stephen McCormick, who is a trained coach and L&D expert. Stephen provides an online integrative coaching service, offering fully personalized programs that support people reach their chosen outcomes, whatever they might be. Stephen uses a number of different approaches in his coaching and is an avid supporter of cognitive behavioral and acceptance commitment type coaching, ways of coaching that he himself says have helped him grow and develop as an individual. He is with me to discuss how he launched his coaching business, New Road Coaching. And on today's episode, I'd like to find out more about some of the practical challenges and considerations that a new coach needs to focus on when creating their business. here today with Stephen McCormick um, from New Road Coaching. Stephen, how are you doing? Yes, I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Oh, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. We are going to be focusing on your business today. We're going to be looking at how you start up your, biz- your business, how it's going, how you do marketing perhaps. Uh, and I'm really excited to jump into the conversation. So shall we kick it off? Let's do it. Okay, so let's start with a little bit about you actually. Tell us a bit more about Stephen and your business and what you do. Sure. So um, my background is in learning and development. And towards the start of my career, I guess I was um, in an organizational setting and supporting employees to be more successful with their skills, knowledge and behaviors. Um, I I found that was something that was really fulfilling and I wanted to be able to do that in a more full time perspective. So I set up uh, New Road Coaching, which is my online integrative coaching service, um, which aims to upskill people with the tools and with the skills to be able to coach themselves in the long run um, Mm. and live a fulfilling and satisfying life. Oh, sounds good. Now, you mentioned integrative coaching, and I'm not sure, uh, I imagine some of the viewers might be asking, what actually is integrative coaching? Um, What does it mean to you? Sure. So integrative to me is having um, packed a, a wide and varied toolkit of different coaching practices to be able to um, recommend, I guess, uh, different activities and different practices to a client that may be more or less suited to them. So perhaps you may well have a client who, um, you know, wants something in particular and what they want is well suited to solutions focused coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps later on in that client's relationship they've found all the solutions they want what they actually want is to work on limiting beliefs and so having a different toolkit and a a different set of skills to be able to work with them on that too so from a coaching perspective it's like having a bunch of different tools 
um, that you can call upon when necessary. Yeah. And I mean, something that I say as well, it's not putting the person in the box. It's not saying, this is my model. This is my framework. This is how we're going to go through it because people are different. They, you know, some people, like you said, might want to focus on limiting beliefs, which is very different to if somebody is very practical and wants a more transactional type of coaching. So, so Stephen, let's perhaps talk a bit more about your motivation and what yeah. motivates you to launch a coaching business and even get into coaching in the first place. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Yeah, of course. I think when I um, kind of look back without giving you my life story, but when you know, I kind of retrospectively look back at some of the decisions that I've made throughout my life in terms of what I've studied, in terms of, you know, the roles that I've worked in, I guess like the common thread is the interpersonal. So I think that that's a, a set of skills that I, personally feel quite comfortable with and you know I think that that would probably be my strength as a, as a person um, and so it starts off with languages just probably because I wanted to be able to chat with more people <laughs> you know extend my network yeah. and uh, I think after that you know I went into using those languages and then that took me into learning and development which kind of was more in line with coaching when it came to developing other people trying to get the best out of them um and then when i was in lmd actually i found that coaching was an amazing uh solution as it were to s mitigate some of the skill gaps some of the gaps in knowledge well not so much knowledge but behavioral and mindset gaps so it was almost like rather than you know sending somebody on a three-day workshop where the transfer of learning from the workshop would be minimal to the actual day-to-day -day working. If you have a coaching style conversation, because back then, you know, I wasn't a qualified coach. Um, if you have a, a coaching style conversation with somebody, you can see the impact that has immediately. And you can see that person gaining autonomy uh, and, you know, kind of opening up and ready to be honest with themselves. So, I guess what I found from that was uh, this is a really efficient, effective way of work. And I get to do what I really like, which is just chat with people. Um, you know, let's try and formalize this. So, you know, I wanted to do it with integrity. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't, you know, uh, coaching people in a way that was actually damaging to them in the long run. Um, so I did a diploma in integrative coaching. Um, and then I was really lucky in that my workplace wanted to, you know, really milk <laughs> milk the last pound that they could get out of me. And, you know, they, they put forward an initiative for the whole of the business. You know, anybody who wants to be coached can be. Um, and then I guess from there, I just found that it was really fulfilling and satisfying for me. Um, and so I thought, well, why can't I make this more than just a portion of my role? Why don't I make this an entire role? Okay. Um, and I think also it's just, you know, I, I personally got so much from the coaching, learning about coaching. You mentioned self-coaching earlier. Um, it's really helped me, I guess, become a, a more proactive individual and a bit more um, effective and kind of managing my own thoughts and, you know, things along those lines. And so I thought, well, why can't I share this with other people? You know, why can't I help other people to be able to do the things that I've just learned to do? Mm. And then uh, at what point did you decide to kind of start up the business? Was it when you were studying? You mentioned that you were also in employment before. How, how did that happen? 
Yeah, so um, I guess from a practical sense, the way that me and my organization worked, it had some, I guess, ramifications on the way that I would have to set myself self up as an entity. Um, but for me, what was really important was to not go out there and be public as a coach until I had the qualifications and the certifications that I believed were required to be, um, you know, an official coach, as it were. I didn't want to say, oh, yes, I am a, a trained life coach until it was the I had that certification in my hand to say, you know, I'm not going to go away and I'm, I'm not going to be able to inadvertently do damage to somebody, which was something that I had to work on for a little while from a self-limited belief, you know, perspective to say, you're only ever going to help somebody. Chances are you're more likely to, to not necessarily help them than to, to damage them. You know? Yes, yes, yes. And it's important to think about the ethical kind of stance that we take, isn't it? Rather than just going out and selling something that you don't feel necessarily comfortable doing or competent in. Well, it's one thing that I guess has kind of amazed me is when I was doing some of the market research, you know, when it comes to actually establishing a coaching presence is just the amount of, of coaches out there who may not be trained, you know, to... Yeah an international standard or you know even a national standard people who are there who you know may well be effective in what they do I don't want to say that they're you know they're not fantastic with what they do because I don't know um, mm. but I know for me that having those ethical considerations making sure that I have been trained in a way that is you know evidence-based is just hugely important and I think it makes me a better coach because I'm more confident than what I'm doing isn't just based in you know kind of something pulled from the air um it's something which is evidence-based yeah you mentioned earlier you mentioned talking about mindset and Mm. that you had to shift your mindset how did you go about doing that i think that's a difficult question um for me there is an element of self-coaching in that so i think that the first step of you know shifting your mindset is first of all becoming aware of your mindset so it's identifying Mm -hmm. the way that you're thinking and the impact that that has on your behaviors and on your actions so for me using uh, a mentor being able to just chat with my mentor and my network of you know fellow coaches um that helped me really establish what some of my you know the things i was a little bit more squeamish about were um And then being able to go away on that and kind of explore that through reflective practice. So whether that be journaling, whether that be through, you know, kind of just being a bit more mindful um, and putting things in place that would help me overcome those elements of squeamishness. um, Because that to me was a crucial element of building a coaching uh, organization. So I guess in summary, it would be become aware of what your current mindset is and then put things in place to try and, you know, push that mindset into what you would prefer to have. Yeah, yeah. And thank you for being open and honest around that, because you're right, it is a difficult question. And I, myself, even now, I mean, I've had the business, I think, for about, it's coming up to 10 years. And even now, you know, you get those moments of self-doubt, self-doubt, limiting beliefs that get in the way. Um, One thing that perhaps I do, which is interlinked with what you were saying, is I tend to 
um, differentiate between who I am and what I do. Because sometimes, like you mentioned, if, if you pitch a product and somebody says no, that's not necessarily about me, it's about the product. Which I find that distancing from what you do can really help. Because otherwise your sense of identity can get really enmeshed between who you are and what you do. Do you see what I mean by that? Absolutely. And I think that actually it's really interesting you should raise that. I think that was part of the decision-making process behind having my organization as a separate name to my own. Yeah. Because that was able to create that distance for me. Uh, if people were not buying my product or if people were buying yeah. my product, that wasn't necessarily you know, a comment on myself or a comment on yeah. my own performance. Yeah. Um, once again, you know, people may not necessarily have that mindset. People may be, yeah, I'm fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I think that if so, then great, that works. Yeah. You, you want to put it in your own name, great. I just know that from my own perspective and, you know, some of the areas that I'm still working on as a, you know, a work in progress, um, that was the best fit for me. Yeah. Because there could be so many things that would st stop somebody from, you know, buying into you as a coach. It could be, you know, your pricing strategy. It could be time zones. It could be because mm -hmm. that I know now it's a bit trickier, but they might prefer face to face and you do only online or they might want somebody with a different kind of type of training or experience or they might even more mentoring <laughs> and advice yeah. giving. There's so many things. And um, I find a lot of the time people can really attribute these things to themselves rather than the product. I'm currently in conversation with Stephen McCormick, who is the founder of New Road Coaching. We have talked about his mindset and how he's found the motivation in order to launch his new online business. However, how about those more practical things, the things that we need to figure out when we're first creating our business? Let's find out a little bit more about those. about the you mentioned earlier the practical things that you have to do what could be or what were some of the practical things that you did in order to set up your business sure you're talking about all the fun stuff oh well depends how you see them <laughs> i see them as fun stuff some of them <laughs> sure i think uh, i guess for, for me there's two areas there's like i guess the administrative things which don't necessarily you know engage and enthrall me as an individual but I think are incredibly important anyway so setting yourself up as a as an organization that is trading I know in the UK we use something called companies house yeah um, in different countries I'm sure there's different legislation and whatnot um, there's also perhaps more practical consideration things like you know obviously you always want to do the best for clients that you possibly can um, but having some form of business protection in the form of an insurance yeah. um, is is something which I think will pay off in the long run, you know, in, in a worst case scenario. Um, 
and also small things like setting up the way that I set up my business. Uh, you needed a dedicated bank account to that business. Um, so just research and I guess what the the must haves for your type of business entity are and then following through on kind of establishing them. And then I guess from a more brand perspective, you've got the side of things of, you know, identifying who you are as a coach, what your vision and what your mission is as, a, as an organization. Um, and I guess building your identity from that perspective too. And how did you do that? This, the more fun part, the branding part. Sure. I think I'm quite lucky in the, my experience as somebody who works in L&D of, you know, um, I supported my organization in establishing that um, for themselves previous to, to working for myself. Um, so what I did was I, I kind of sat down and thought, well, what is it that I personally value? And what is it that I would like to support my coaches to be able to do, to be able to know, to, you know, to be able to act like? Um, I think that another thing that I was looking at, it was perhaps more practical marketing consideration. So who is it specifically that I can envisage as one of my clients? Mm -hmm. Who is my target audience? And, you know, one thing that I found really interesting is, although if you were to go on my website, you would see, you know, language that is hopefully accessible to all and it doesn't limit the, the audience in any way, shape or form. The people who've uh, become my coaches all have, you know, a similar demographic. So the professionals age, you know, 28, 30 to 60. Um, and I think the, I guess my own experience and my own um, comfort zone perhaps has led to me using language which may unconsciously attract a certain type of person. Was there something perhaps that surprised you or something that you didn't, you were like, oh, I hadn't thought about that? Sure, I think um, for me, I think, that, you know, it's a question that everything is a learning journey until, you, until you've done it, you know, and then even after you've done it, chances are you probably didn't do it 100% yeah. uh, correctly by the book, whatever you might want to say. Um, for me, I think the thing that surprised me the most was how hesitant I was going to be to push publish and to, <laughs> to kind of you know go live with either that website yeah. or yes. whether it's that new page on the website yeah um because in my mind you know talk about unhelpful thinking <laughs> i was thinking oh gosh i'm going to get fifty thousand inquiries i'm not going to be able to do them all or you know people might ask me questions i'm not prepared for blah 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 blah, blah. and of course it never happens like yeah. that you know you push publish and then you're actively trying to drive people to that website um but i think what surprised me i guess in summary is my own mindset and you know the mm. the thinking that i had um and I guess how difficult it is to, from a marketing perspective, try and cut through the noise on LinkedIn, on Instagram, because everybody's trying to sell everything um, and kind of create an identity that you're happy with other people associating with you. A question that I get a lot from people who I work with is, do I set up a business with my name or do I come up with a company name? And I'm, you know, Neuro Coaching, of course, is your company name. How did you make that decision? Sure. I think that for me, once again, there is no right or wrong answer. It's entirely what's within your comfort levels. Um, 
I think for me, the long term is that I won't be the only coach who works at New Road Coaching. And so it was a bit of a strategic decision early on to establish a presence or an identity that was, you know, people recognized, but also the people felt confident with. Um, that over time, we may be able to have, you know, uh, an agency almost of coaches that we can we can share clients with, or, you know, you can go on as a client and pick the coach who works best for you. Um, I think that to me is quite important. However, one of the, I guess, challenges that you face when you set up as an organization that doesn't necessarily have a name is that your identity, as it were, is almost fits into a crowd of corporate organizations. So that, you know, intimate spark, I guess, that you might be able to get with an individual person's coaching business is lost a little bit more. Um, so I think I still think it's important that if you've got an organization who is not your name to have elements that a client can click on and see, well, this is the person who will be helping me. Because as much as anything, I think that a coaching rapport is... <clears throat> it's really important to have that you know that spark with the coach and and to be able to feel that empathy and i don't think you always get that from a bit of a faceless organization yeah yeah so what you seem to be saying here is even though you're using a company name it's always important to show who you are as well yeah and i think there's a multitude of ways of doing that you know i think if it's through your language is it quite approachable language is it more formal language you know when i look at my website i've got some pictures of me on holiday you know, feeding, <laughs> you know, baby elephants and whatnot. Because to me, I still wanted that personal touch, but I also wanted people to be able to see, well, actually, this is a well-respected company. This is all official. It's legitimate. This person's trained. Um, and to try and provide comfort, I guess, through a few different ways. And we're talking about money here. So what about pricing? Like, how did you decide your pricing strategy? Yeah, I think I did uh, a little bit of market research. Um, and what I found is that it entirely depends on the organization. Um, some people are very open and upfront with their costs and they are very rigid in terms of their pricing structure. Um, other organizations, you know, may prefer to have a chat with an individual first. I kind mm -hmm. of take the latter approach. Um, and that's not in any way, you know, a lack of transparency. It's more so I don't want to deter people with the price. And the, the reason for that is, you know, we can always come to some form of agreement, even if it's just, you know, a yeah. one-off session. Um, I want to be able to be accessible to people. And so if they click on and see a price tag rather than, you know, the value that that session might be worth to them, um, I wouldn't necessarily want to dissuade people from that. Alternatively, I appreciate that that approach has challenges because people may wish to click onto the website and if they don't see a price tag, be fearful of, of kind of putting forward a comment or, you know, an inquiry. Um, so once again, I don't think there is one way of doing it. Uh, it's just what you find most comfortable and most effective for you. So again, it's about that relationship that you build with the client. You'd rather have somebody, you'd rather try to contact the client rather than just seeing a price tag and um and that putting off a particular type of client of course and i think that you know it's the the start of that coaching relationship is actually establishing whether or not they're the right fit for you as a coach you know whether or not you believe that you can support them as a client mm. um and so what i what one of the 
concerns I have, I guess, about putting the price tag up front is that if that person's willing to pay the price, then that's almost a foregone conclusion that you are going to be their coach. When in actual fact, it may well be that I think, you know, my friend Maud would be a better coach for you than I would be. Um, mm -hmm. So I think from that perspective, I'd prefer to have the conversation first to make sure that, you know, we've done all of our contracting and we're, we're on the same page. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. Okay. So in terms of, we're getting towards the end of our podcast today. And something that I always ask my guests is, what are some tips that you might have? So in terms of today's topic, which is around launching your coaching business, what could be some tips that you have for other coaches? It's difficult to know where to start, really. I think the first, it's not necessarily a tip, but it's perhaps a piece of advice that I've experienced is to, to, to manage your expectations a little. Um, and I mean that in the way of there is a lot of work that goes into starting a business and it may not necessarily even be work that you consciously know needs to take place. So doing research in terms of what the obligations and, you know, the mandatory things that an organization of your type needs to do from a legal perspective is the fun a great stuff. first step. The fun stuff. Absolutely. The stuff that, you know, keeps you awake at night. Um, I think also just examining your own mindset and the, the reasons that you would like to go into coaching um, I think that you really need to have a passion for people and whilst the people element of, of, you know, kind of working for yourself as a coach is not necessarily always the whole entire role. That to me is one of my values, you know, being able to support people to, to help themselves and, and to, to be satisfied and fulfilled. And so that's the thing that is a common thread and, you know, helps me kind of go through the things that I might not find so engaging in full, because I know at the end of the day, it enables me to do something that I'm really passionate about. Um, and I think, you know, don't be squeamish about sales. You will have to do some form of sell selling and marketing as, as an organization. Um, so identifying what your proposition is and then identifying the way that you are most comfortable with putting that proposition to a client is really important to me. So I don't necessarily see it as selling. I see it as an information exchange. And I know that sounds really you know, vague and ambiguous, um, but because to me, I don't go into any client interaction with the foregone conclusion that they are going to choose me. It may well be that I'm going to refer them to another coach. Um, that selling process just becomes you know, slightly more nuanced. And it's actually more to do with building a rapport and finding out more about the customer. And if they go on to, to buy with me, amazing. But if not, then, you know, it's a learning journey in itself. Yeah, yeah. So Stephen, thank you so much for being so honest today, as I mentioned earlier, and for spending a little bit of time with me. I am um, sure that our listeners have got a lot out of our conversation today because I know people have contacted me from people who listen to the podcast saying, we'd love to hear from somebody who is starting up the coaching business and how it's going. So I appreciate that. Oh, no, well, it's been an absolute pleasure. You know, I think we've, we've chatted about some of the main themes, but there's always practical considerations when it comes to you know, how to do a SWOT analysis on a business or things like that. So if anybody is currently in that position and they would like to have a chat about more of the practical considerations or, you know, how to build a brand, I'm always happy to chat with people either through my website 
um, or through social media. So get in contact. I'm always happy to help extend somebody's network. Great. And all the links, by the way, are on our page as well. So you'll be able to get in touch with Stephen um, accordingly. You can see them on the podcast information and on our website as well. You have been listening to Coaching in Focus, the podcast by Become Coaching and Training. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Stephen. And if you did, please feel free to rate us wherever you found this podcast episode. We're available on all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Until I see you next time, I wish you good health and take care of yourselves.